You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is my conversation with Gilby Clark, the one-time Guns N' Roses guitarist. The reason for the discussion is to promote Gilby's then-upcoming tour of Australia. It was happening in late November, early December of 2017. So let's hear what he had to say. Here we go. Gilby Clark, welcome to the show. I understand that you are working on some new material. So before we talk about your Australian tour, can you tell us about the material you're recording? Yeah, um, I haven't made a solo record since 2003, and uh, I hadn't actually known that it had been that long. It kind of crept up on me. And at the beginning of the year, I just kind of was in a creative space and um, had a couple new riffs that I really liked. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. And when, when I make a solo record, what's great is, you know, it's it's a real... Uh, individual process you know it's like i don't have any set band i mean i have a set live band but i get to use lots of different great musicians and i use kenny aronoff on drums i use stephen perkins from jane's addiction on drums matt Starr from mr big and um different bass players like nikki six sean McNabb, uh, james lomenzo and it's really nice because you know it really got in a nice creative space and you know, I mean, the songs are classic rock. They really don't vary much from my past records. You know, I like rock and roll. I, you know, it's not a matter of being modern. It's just a matter of being good. And that was the most important thing to me was, you know, making a record that I would enjoy listening to, making sure it was good. Yeah, no, fair point, mate. And uh, your Australian tour, it's coming up. And, mate, we are very fond of you down here, as you no doubt realise through the uh, feedback you've probably got on all of the other interviews that you've had with Australian, um, well, it's the Australian radio people or media types, and you're playing at Crowbar in the Valley on Thursday, the 30th of November. So tell us about your relationship with fans in Australia. Well, I mean, I don't really have any relationship with the bands. You know, sometimes, you know, these opportunities come up. You know, I've been speaking with the promoter for years of trying to put something together. And, you know, being that these are smaller venues, you know, there's not really that income there to be able to bring my band from the U.S. out, you know. So, you know, he said that uh, he's got a nice group of guys that have played with a lot of other artists over the years. They're fantastic musicians. And with the help of a little YouTube, I got to check them out, and I thought they did a great job. And, um, you know, we're going to get to come out and play the show, and, you know, they'll live they'll be able to see me and see you know what i do sing and play guitar with some you know great music behind me and some good musicians too i think it'll be a nice combination do you get a lot of communication from fans in australia ever since you've been in gunners of course do you, do you get a lot of mail and emails from australian fans praising you for your work and saying thanks for the music that you've made i, I don't know if i get a lot um but i definitely get some i mean through over the years you know i mean one thing about me is I do a lot of different things. I don't just sit in one band, you know, I mean, you know, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. You know, it's, it's not something I have to fall back on, but I get the opportunity to play with lots of different musicians. You know, uh, you know, we were there a few years ago with Kings of Chaos, which is like an all-star band with, you know, Matt saw myself and Duff from GNR and, um, Sebastian Bach and, uh, Steve Stevens, uh, you know, we've had that experience, and then you did the Rockstar Supernova record and TV show with Tommy Lee and Jason Newstead, and we came down there. So, you know, it's always, it, it's, I, when I do hear from people, it's from different things. You know, it's like, there's some people that heard a song that goes, I had no idea you were ever in Guns N' Roses, and then there are people that 
you know, only know me from Guns N' Roses and don't know anything else. And then there, of course, there are people who have no idea who the hell I am. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it just depends on what area you came in on. You probably have a lot of fans that um, recognize you from Rockstar Supernova, I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it depends on the certain places. I mean, you know, in the U.S., things change so fast. And right now, you know, rock and roll is not in the most popular music form right now, you know, so things change. But, you know, I just did seven dates in Canada with my band, and uh, Rockstar Supernova did really well up there. And, you know, we had to play like two or three songs from it. And, you know, so it really depends. I mean, I'm definitely lucky and blessed that, you know, I've had that opportunity to be international, you know, and, you know, I can speak with certain other musicians and stuff, go, oh, my God, man, when's the last time you've been to Australia? What's the last time you've been to Canada? You know, and some people never, uh, American musicians never even get to leave the U.S. Yeah, you know, I speak to a few, actually, that, that would love to come to Australia and even ask me directly if I could help them come over. But, yeah, it's a bit of a tough trade, that one there, because it's a long flight and then you got to put up quite a bit to uh, secure the venue and then just hope to God that people want to come and see the artist. But in your case, mate, you'll have more than just a handful, mate. There'll be quite a few in the audience, and I'll be one of them at the Valley Show, actually. But, uh, mate, you hit on something a moment ago really important, and, you know, you do have a resume unlike anybody else, really, and it's far more than luck that bought you success. You're very dedicated, and you have great talent. No doubt you spent long hours practicing and putting up with moody bandmates and the ever-changing trends forcing musicians to question their artistic in integrity. So, mate, when you look back over your very long career, what comes to mind? Well, actually, you just mentioned it at the end, and I think it's integrity. You know, I think that anybody that has worked with me or met me will, you know, use that word of integrity. You know, I care about what I do. It's important to me. You know, I practiced for a long time. And even when I do shows, I practice, you know, it's, it's important that I'm, that I, I'm the best that I can be. I want to be good. I don't want to, you know, see a YouTube video of you clunking, you know, over the fretboard or something. So I do care about, I care about music. You know, I, I, I listen to new bands. I listen to old bands. I, I like to listen to music. But then, you know, when it's our job to get out there and perform for the people, you know, people work hard, you know, and, and I know that. And, and I want the, the show to be quality. I want it to be fun. It's supposed to be fun. Life is too short to be grumpy, like you said, and have all these rules about, you know, who can go in your dressing room and who can't and, you know, what kind of things that Diet Coke or Coke. <laughs> I mean, those things that, you know, are little. They're little. I mean, you know, to some people are important, but they really are small things in life. Yeah. Now, I interviewed David Vincent from Morbid Angel earlier in the year, and, and like yourself, he's worked with and currently working with many fantastic musicians and artists. So I'd like to ask you about some of the, uh, I want to say lesser-known comrades. People might not realise that you work with these people over your career, and they are excellent musicians that you've shared the stage with or performed on albums alongside. So the first person I'd like to, you to ask to share your thoughts over is bassist Mike Inez, who I believe you worked with in Slash's Snake Pit and also in Heart. Yep. Good old Mikey. <laughs> my bro Whenever you say Mike, I go, my brother Mikey. <laughs> yeah, Mike is, uh, you know, he's an L.A. guy, and he's, uh, you know, a, a fantastic musician. There are so many things that Mike brings. You know, one of them is he's a fantastic musician, but not just a player. He's a creative musician. He thinks of great bass parts. The other thing is he's a wonderful person. He's, he's fun to be around. 
when we did the, uh, Mike is the one who brought me in for the heart tour. He had been playing with them and they needed a new guitar player and he suggested me. And when we get, we came along, man, we really kind of became a team over there on stage left. <laughs> you know, there are points of the show, the heart show where the, where the sisters just get up there with an acoustic guitar and we got a good 20 minutes where, you know, we don't have a lot to do, but, you know, watch and have a cocktail or two and, and enjoy ourselves. So yeah, Mikey is uh, Mike. Mikey once again is one of the good ones. Cool. Now another. Actually, I've got three bass players to start with. So the second of the three is James Lomenzo, the excellent bass player from White Line, and I believe you worked with him in with Slash again. Yeah, he did exactly. James Lomenzo is fantastic. I mean, James. Uh, it, it, James is actually a family friend too. Um, our daughters were born just months apart from each other, and. When we did do the Slash of Snake Pit tour together in 95, we both had like one-year-olds. <laughs> and so we actually became close uh, with our families. The wives know each other. The, the daughters know each other. We go to each other's birthday parties. And once again, what a fantastic bass player. He's, I always think about James of like that John Entwistle sound. You know, He's got that yeah, totally. really mm. great growl on his bass sound, and he's really quick with his fingers, you know? And uh, actually, on my new record, I got James uh, playing bass on the tune. Oh, wicked. Okay. What songs? Oh, actually, I won't ask you what song that is because it hasn't come out yet. Um, uh, I, I don't remember the name of the song that he did. but Okay. <laughs> I'll look for it in the liner notes then. Yeah, cool. All right. So the third yeah. in, the, in the triumvirate of bass players is the excellent Jason Newstead, formerly in Metallica, who was your comrade in Rockstar Supernova. Yeah, Jason... Um, you know, I, I met and got to know Jason when uh, Guns N' Roses and Metallica toured together. But we weren't really close. You know, we were just kind of in different worlds during that tour. I mean, you know, we'd see him in the hall and stuff like that and watching each other's band. But I really got to know him when we did the Rockstar Supernova thing. And that was a suggestion by Tommy. Tommy really uh, thought it was important to Jason be in the band. You know, Jason is... Uh, is a very serious musician. You know, he's a very serious person. You know, he, he, like myself, he cares. He really cares. And, you know, when he, you know, when things aren't going the right way and stuff, you know, he, it, it means a lot to him. You know, he wants to right the, the wrong or something. I thought when we did the Rockstar Supernova thing, you know, I was kind of stuck in between where Tommy is extremely not serious and Jason was very serious. And I was kind of like right in between them where, you know, if when things were going well, you know, it was great. But when things were going wrong, it was, uh, boy, it was hard to be in the middle of that ship. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Rightio. And, uh, Matt, you were in a band. I think it was a band that you started called Colonel Parker. Uh, and you work with Slim Jim Phantom, who was the Stray Cats guy and he's currently in he uh, Headcat. Yeah. Yeah, Slim Jim is, uh, once again, an old friend. Slim Jim used to have a club on Sunset Boulevard called the Cat Club. And there was a few years there where things were a little dull in the, in the Los Angeles music scene. So we started a jam night at the Cat Club, uh, a band called the Starfuckers. And when it first started, it was myself, Slim Jim Phantom, Tracy Guns from L.A. Guns, and Johnny Graparek, who was the bass player in Slash the Snake Pit, the second version. And we used to just jam. I mean, we really never rehearsed once. We would just, I was the only singer in the band. So, you know, we would play songs from, you know, rockabilly songs to blues songs to, you know, deep purple songs. But Jim uh, 
is a, once again is a very very good musician and someone who you know created that stand up rockabilly drum sound you know no one had ever done that before when, before Slim Jim you know and when we did Colonel Parker it really was just an extension of the Starfuckers where we really just couldn't use the name the Starfuckers so we kind of had to come up with something and it was Slim Jim that came up with the name Colonel Parker which was Elvis Presley's manager. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, great name, by the way. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised an indie band from the 90s Thank didn't you. steal the name, actually. But uh, glad you guys got it, mate, and, and created appropriate music to suit the name. Um, getting into a bit of a, a, a rock star legend, mate, uh, Ace Freely. You've certainly shared the stage with him, and I, I'm not sure if you've actually recorded with him, but tell us about your relationship with Ace. I've, I've never recorded with Ace. You know, Ace and I became friends with, uh, we had a, a friend in common named Eric Singer, who's the current drummer of KISS. Yeah, great drummer. Uh, yeah. Eric and I go way back. Yeah, fantastic drummer. We'd go b- way back, and, you know, some when he was hanging out with Ace, we'd see each other. And we did the VH1 Honors thing in uh, Vegas. Uh, they were doing a thing with KISS, and for some silly reason, Ace wasn't a part of it. So when we were doing our tribute to KISS, uh, Rob Zombie thought it was a great idea to bring Ace up, and man, that was so much fun. And then just a few years back, we were doing, uh, we had a very successful club out here called Cat House in, in the late 80s, and it was kind of like a hard rock hangout. And we were doing an anniversary show, and it was at a pretty pretty nice-sized venue out here in Los Angeles. And I was in charge of the uh, the jam band at the end of the night. And I was trying to come up with someone special, someone unique. And so I called Ace and Ace came up and did it. And we did a, you know, a couple, uh, you know, shock me and cold gin and a couple of, uh, kiss and Ace classics and ended up having Sebastian Bach singing. And every time I see Ace, I, I, I mean, you know, he was one of my heroes when I was a young guy. I mean, you know, I stared at that cover for, you know, for hours and, listen to those records inside and out i saw him play so many times when i was young so to actually now be able to call him a friend is actually something really special cool uh i've got two more um nancy wilson from heart you mentioned her earlier but uh yeah how, how long should before i ask you for your thoughts on nancy how long were you actually in heart for i only did one tour with them that's it i did one tour and then i did a, a record with them and even the record i was only really just a session guy on the record. I really wasn't part of the band. Um, Nancy, um, you know, when, when Mike had asked me to come down, and it's funny because I didn't audition for the gig or anything. You know, I just had a conversation with Nancy. And, uh, and when I came down to play, um, you know, first thing she came up to me and said, she goes, wow, you have such a, a natural feel, you know? And I go, yeah, I go, you know, I, I go, I got to tell you, this is, this is the music I grew up on that, that seventies heart stuff. That's, that's right up my alley. I go, I've never been much of a metal guitar player. I'm more of like a classic rock blues kind of guy. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I was really impressed. I mean, I always knew she was a good guitar player, but man, I mean, electric or acoustic, man, she can play, man. She can, her fingers go in directions that I've never seen. And also when her and her sister harmonize together, I mean, it, it really is like angels. It's like angels singing. I, I just, when they do an acoustic duo together, I go, how did they find that note? I mean, I, I, I don't even hear that note. But yeah, Nancy is just a, a class act and an incredibly talented musician. Excellent. Okay, final one. Wayne Kramer from MC5. 
<laughs> Boy, you have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Kramer is, is another one that's my brother, Wayne Kramer. I met Wayne. We were doing an all-star gig in Chicago. It was a bunch of guys from Chicago. I played guitar in a record for a band called Material Issue um, that was uh, out of Chicago. And so they're doing a couple uh, gigs together, and we had Pat from the Smithereens, Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's, and Wayne was on it. And for the encore, we always did, you know, kick out the jams. And Wayne just really liked the way that we clicked together. So when he reformed the MC5 to do a couple shows, they actually called it like DKT MC5 because he, he thought it was better to have it as a tribute to the MC5. And, uh, and he called me right away, and man... That's one of my favorite. I mean, I always said Guns N' Roses is a great guitar gig. No, the MC5 is a great guitar gig, man. That is some awesome, aggressive punk rock guitar playing in that band. And now Wayne and I have become really good friends, and he has a uh, he has this charity he does called Jail Guitar Doors, and he's actually called me quite a few times to come out and play with him for those things. So uh, that's always been a, a blast. Excellent. Could we, uh, might we be able to expect a bit of kick out the jams or something like that on your uh, Australian tour? Well, we, have that, we are playing that song in the set, as a matter of fact. There, you just got a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> right, there We've you go. We've been playing kick out the jams a lot in... Yeah, in, in my band, you know, we just kind of added it uh, about two years ago. And, man, I mean, they, they, you know what? You can't go wrong with an MC5 song, but unfortunately they don't really have very many hits, so you got to mm. kind of play the one that people would know the best. Oh, the rock and roll believers, mate. We'll be there. I'll be up the front, mate, when you start playing that one, that's for sure. Right on, man. <laughs> be, be happy to do it. Well, mate, thank you very much. You're a legend. I would love to shake your hand and even have a beer with you when you come down to Australia, mate. And, and uh, yeah, so congratulations on a wonderful career, and uh, hopefully I'll catch up with you when you come down here. You got it. Like I said, make sure you introduce yourselves because it's always nice to meet people I've done interviews with. You know, I don't know until I'm there and meet them, so oh, definitely course. come up and yeah. say hello. Yeah, will do, mate. No worries. Okay, you got it, man. Be you are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with one-time Guns N' Roses guitarist, Gilby Clark. Thank you so much for listening.